This is Taekwon Lewis. You're listening to Dash to the Draft on Sports Crunch. Welcome back to Sports Crunch with D. Crom, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, David Cromelo. Today, we continue the final leg of our 2018 Dash to the Draft series with a look at the draft halls in the AFC North. Round one of the 2018 NFL Draft began with the 2017 Heisman Trophy winner landing in the AFC North and ended with the 2016 Heisman winner landing in the AFC North. Joining us today to analyze that plus a lot more on the draft classes of the Browns, Ravens, Bengals, and Steelers is our good friend Pete Smith, Browns and NFL Draft Analyst for NFLSpinZone.com. Great to have you back on the program, Pete. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me back. You're very welcome. Thank you for joining us again. Without further ado, let's talk about the draft class of the team you covered, the Cleveland Browns, and you must have been over the moon because they selected your favorite quarterback as well as my favorite quarterback in this class in Baker Mayfield, as I alluded to in the intro. And the Browns had most of us fooled for months because since the Senior Bowl ended, the vast majority of people believed that they were going to take Sam Darnold at one, but there was some hints flying around that Baker Mayfield just might have been the guy, and the news that Baker was indeed the guy didn't prop up until the morning of the draft. Uh, why was Baker Mayfield your favorite quarterback in this draft class, and why should Browns fans be very optimistic about him as the potential face of the franchise? Well, I mean, he's the most efficient quarterback in college football history. You know, for all the the guys who have played and spread offenses and all the stuff people want to say about, you know, various systems and everything else, no one has done it better in the history of college football than Mayfield, who has the career record. He set the 2016 record and then broke it in 2017 with a completely different set of weapons. Um, he has all the arm talent. He is a senior uh, he he's obviously a two-time walk-on. He uh, went first time a walk-on has ever won the Heisman Trophy. Uh, he has basically all he's done his entire career is people have set up hurdles for him that you know it doesn't matter until he does this or I'll believe it when he does this and every time they do it he easily clears whatever hurdle they put in front of him, which even went as far as as you know the the college football playoffs where. Despite you know the number of qualified teams, I mean he played 14 total uh, ranked opponents in his college career, and even even going into the Georgia game, it was still well he hasn't seen a real defense yet. So that's sort of been the deal with him is he's always been that guy who sort of steps up and, and makes it happen. And the only thing people ever really had an issue with on the field was his height, and everything off the field was sort of contrived. So if you if let's let's assume Baker Mayfield is everything the Browns hope he is and more, and we look back historically at this, and all you're really going to be able to say he was short because the off-field stuff will not have mattered, and everything else about him will have been contrived with the offense and, and, and that, and you'll just be left with the fact that he was a slightly shorter but the most efficient quarterback in history who could do you know all these things you saw on tape, four years of production, this, that, and the other – and everybody's going to sort of look back and go, well, of course he was the best quarterback. And this whole, you know, uh, to do about, you know, all these things he couldn't do will basically be nothing. Uh, but I do give, you know, I, I give the Browns credit for having the stones. And, I, and, you know, I don't think it should have been viewed that way. But a lot of people seem to want to 
play it that way, that it took a lot of stones to actually make that the pick. So I give them credit. Uh, and and I, I, I am obviously excited about the pick. I think he is the best quarterback in the class. And they the Browns brass at this point can't stop basically bragging about what, what they think they have in him. Now we'll see if it, it works out for him, but they, uh, they basically can't contain themselves. Uh, they can't contain themselves and rightfully so. And, uh, Baker Mayfield was my favorite quarterback in this draft class because his accuracy and anticipation and are two things you cannot teach. And those were off the charts with him. But the thing that I also like the most about him and, uh, Brown's, uh, Executive Vice President of Football Operations Alonzo Highsmith kind of alluded to this uh, after the draft was that what sold them on Baker and what kind of broke a near tie with him and Sam Darnold was his intangibles, his uh, charismatic, infectious leadership. He's that guy that if you play on a team with him, you're willing to run through a brick wall for him on every single play, whether you play on offense or defense. And those are the things that you just cannot quantify. It's that burning desire to succeed, that burning desire to prove people wrong. That's what drove Tom Brady in his career, and that's what I think is going to drive Baker Mayfield to a lot of successes as well. Right. Uh, I, I, I don't believe he's going to lose that edge of being a walk-on. I just, you know, that that carries with you. Even And, and you mentioned Tom Brady. He still knows, he, you know, he still has the list of quarterbacks in his head that uh, of guys that went ahead of him in the 2000 draft. Uh, you know, so I don't think Baker will lose that. But, yeah, his he's charismatic uh, and he's very intelligent. Uh, and those things both help him. But yet he has a bit of a presence where he walks into a room and you notice and, and there, you know, you want to call it whatever you want. The it factor, intangibles, whatever. He certainly seems to have it. Uh, and you know, the argument was, well, he's, you know, Mayock made the point that his character cut cuts both ways. I don't know if I really agree with that, but certainly the Browns seem to believe it, it's, it's too, to the positive and, and there's no shortage of people who, are you know, he played with at Oklahoma or guys he even just played with for a week at the senior bowl, like Will Hernandez, uh, that, that couldn't say enough good things about how much they liked him and wanted to play for him. Yeah, most definitely. And when at the earliest uh, this season should we expect to see Baker Mayfield on the football field? Um, I I wouldn't rule out the possibility that Baker could win the job outright before we get to week one, but the Browns have made it pretty clear they want Tyrod to be their, their guy this year. Uh, so... I think unless you see a Russell Wilson situation where he just takes rips the job out of uh, Matt Flynn's hands or, or the way Derek Carr did with the Raiders, where he's just so much better than the other guy where you can't ignore it, uh, I think they're going to put Tyrod out there. Uh, but the thing is with Tyrod Taylor, um, he's never made it through a full season, whether it's been injury or ill-advised benching like in Buffalo this past year. Um, he's never made it through a full season, so you're gonna see Mayfield. It's just a question of when. Uh, but I, I, you know, and, and I think he's more than equipped to play right now. But I, I think the Browns really like the idea of not having to play him, and and certainly Dorsey's in, in, uh, informed by the fact that he he just went through this with the Chiefs, and you know, Tyrod Taylor isn't Alex Smith, but it's that sort of same presence where it let. Pat Mahomes, you know, really get comfortable uh, and really get adjusted. And then you got that, you know, that little taste of him at the end of the year where he looked great. 
But so much of this, I think, and it's not just so much the football stuff, it's the life stuff of, you know, going from going from college to the NFL and, and, and Baker's obviously a little, little bit older, a little bit more of an adult than most of these guys. But it's still getting settled in a new city, you know, sort of embracing the, the franchise in addition to the mastering the playbook and, and getting on the same page with all those guys. So. I think even if you got into a situation where you know Tyrod Taylor and Baker Mayfield are dead even, I think the Browns will go with the idea that the tie will go to the veteran, and they will go with that for the time being. Now the problem is um, there's a real chance that the Browns could you know do a lot of losing again this year, and you know there may be a little bit of a tug of war at some point um, with wanting to get the young guy out there, but. I do believe that John Dorsey's sort of really in control of the Brown situation in terms of who's really going to go out there. So uh, I think I think in a lot of ways, Hugh's job, which is you know rightfully on the hot seat, uh, I think he has Tyrod to basically save his job. And if he can't do it with Tyrod, he's not going to be there. Oh, most definitely, it's going to be very interesting to see how quickly uh, Baker Mayfield uh, gets on the field. But I personally was not surprised one bit that the Browns uh, took Baker Mayfield. I was aware of some of the whispers about him going number one overall at the Senior Bowl. And uh, and based on Scott McLuhan's presence at that building, plus uh, Elliot Wolf, uh, who reportedly saw a shorter version of Brett Favre at Baker Mayfield, I was not surprised by that at all. But the real surprise came with the fourth overall pick. Most all of us believe that they would take Bradley Chubb with that pick. And they did have a very high grade on Bradley Chubb, and they really loved him. But there was a player who they had the exact same grade on, and they loved equally, but filled a position of need. And that was Denzel Ward, the best uh, corner in this class from the Ohio State University. And I think Denzel Ward's a great player, and uh, I don't fault the Browns for that choice. Uh, I don't think they reached on Denzel Ward, but some people were saying uh, Denzel Ward is a a very, very, very good player, but we don't think he was a top five talent in the draft. And I just want to know where your opinion is on this. Did Denzel Ward's talent and upside meet the value of that fourth overall pick? Or do you think the Browns should have traded down with, like, say, Buffalo and traded back up around pick nine or ten and get Denzel Ward there? So the answer, is he worth fourth pick? No. Uh, and I, I would I would point out that Bradley Chubb wasn't worth fourth pick either. Now, having said that, could the Browns have moved down, like you said, and moved back up? Maybe, but clearly they thought that if they went down, they weren't going to be able to get him. And and that's, you know, as as much as we want to get into the weeds about value and this, that, and the other thing, um, they had the guy they wanted and they got him. So it's hard to fault them if they believe in him to that point. Having said that, is he likely to be Charles Woodson? No. Uh, I don't, you know, it's very hard. It's going to be very, very difficult for Denzel Ward to live up to his draft billing. That's just, that's just what it is. Um, and that's, that's fine. He could still be a, a pro bowl type player, a very good player. Uh, and, and fills a huge need that the Browns had in terms of getting a true, you know, hopefully franchise type corner. But the other part of this is, is you draft for your division and, they see Antonio Brown twice a year. And to me, this reeks of picking a guy they feel like can at least slow Antonio Brown down. And that's the other part of this where, you know, you can't really fault them. So 
if it was up to me and if, if I was choosing between Chubb and Ward, I would have taken Chubb. They have the exact same career projection to me, but I'd rather have a Pro Bowl caliber edge rusher. Uh, and pass rusher in general than in corner. There are certainly people who will go the other way on that. That's just where I'm at. But neither of those picks was going to val is, is likely to validate fourth pick in this draft. Uh, yeah, most definitely. Although I think both Denzel Ward and Bradley Chubb go on to have uh, similar careers with the Pro Bowl and maybe a couple All Pro accolades uh, as well. They couldn't have gone wrong with either, in my opinion. I think Ward will be a great player. For the Browns. And uh, in the second round, with their first of two second round picks, they selected Austin Corbett, a guy who you and I also saw at the Senior Bowl uh, from Nevada. Just like his new teammate, Joel Batonio, he played left tackle at Nevada, but is projected to slide inside at guard or maybe even center in the National Football League. But uh, the murmurs uh, out of Berea have Austin Corbett being selected as the potential replacement for Joe Thomas at left tackle. Do you think Austin Corbett can function at left tackle in the NFL, or do you think this is malpractice? No, I think he can do it, uh, but I, but I I do think he's probably better suited to be a guard or a center, but he's certainly capable of playing tackle, and, and, and all indications are they want him to fail at tackle before they – they go the other route with it. Uh, it'll be him against Sean Coleman uh, competing for that left tackle job. But uh, having watched him on tape, uh, I, I, I like Corbett more and more. Uh, it's not the pick I would have made, but uh, the more I dig into him, the more I'm a fan of what he brings. Uh, but I, I certainly would not rule out the possibility that even if he's left tackle for the next two years, he could ultimately move, move inside to guard and replaced Kevin Zeitler in a couple of years. And, the, you know, that that front office mentality of they're going to keep drafting tackles, that's what the Chiefs have done with Dorsey, and that's certainly what the Packers do, where they just keep drafting tackles and then uh, basically have five, got five former tackles on their offensive line. Um, that could be a very real uh, possibility, and, and especially with Baker Mayfield, the interior protection becomes more important. Uh, as you've seen with Drew Brees throughout his career, they don't spend a ton on their tackles, but they t- they they invest a ton in guards, uh, and and that's where the Browns are right now, where they've got Petonio and Zeitler in there, and they've got uh, J.C. Treader on the interior, which is a good situation. But in a couple of years, if they don't like uh, what Zeitler is doing relative to his contract figure, and that he's not really their style, I could see Corbett ending up there, but certainly. They would. They want him to be a tackle first, uh, and you know we'll see if that he can beat out Sean Coleman. That'll be, a, I think, a better competition than maybe people anticipate. Uh, better in terms of, I think Sean Coleman's a better player than some people do, and better in the fact that I think both guys may be better than 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 uh, I think many probably think they are. That'll be an interesting training camp battle to watch in Browns camp this summer. And from the current Browns to the former Browns, let's discuss this draft class of the Baltimore Ravens. And this Ravens draft class will be defined by one player, Lamar Jackson. They traded back up into the tail end of the first round with the Eagles to select Lamar Jackson with the final pick of round one at 32 overall. And 
Matt Waldman, who I had on my program before the draft, he says that if Lamar Jackson got himself in the right situation, he could end up being the best quarterback in this draft class. And while I'm not going to go that far, I personally think the Ravens are an ideal landing spot for Lamar Jackson because of the coaches they have on the staff. They got Marty Morningweg, who worked with Michael Vick in Philadelphia, who got the best out of Michael Vick. Uh, that he played in his career. Uh, Greg Roman as the senior offensive assistant who got the most out of Colin Kaepernick in San Francisco. And James Urban as the quarterback's coach who was the quarterback's coach with the Eagles when Michael Vick was in Philadelphia as well. A similar structure that Carson Wentz walked into in Philadelphia with uh, Doug Peterson, Frank Reich, and John uh, DiFilippo. And uh, above all, uh, he will get to sit a year, maybe two, behind uh, Joe Flacco and clean up some of his footwork, and, and that'll get him more prepared uh, to succeed at the NFL level. Do you share that view that the Ravens are an ideal landing spot for Lamar Jackson, and would it surprise you if he and Mayfield end up being the two best quarterbacks from this draft class? I like the fit from what all the stuff you talked about in terms of the coaching staff, and I I, I, I have some good feelings about some of their offensive linemen but their skill positions suck and if you're if you're trying to build an offense around what the ravens have offensive skill position wise i don't feel good about much of anything they have going forward not only for flacco but certainly even less with lamar jackson i mean who if you're gonna say lamar jackson's our guy and certainly that's where they hope this is going who is the guy on that offense where you're going this is his guy they don't have that. I mean, and and they didn't help themselves to me in this draft with that either. Uh, they don't have much in terms of receivers. They don't have much in terms of a running back group there. Uh, so I agree. I think he's in great hands in terms of situation. He doesn't have to play right away. They can take their time with him. And certainly Flacco has been awful the past couple of years, but he's also making 30 million this year. So it's really hard to get away from that. So, you know, you're locked into him. So he may be somewhat of a package player, but it's, he, they're not going to sit $30 million on the bench. It's just not realistic. Um, I, I think they can prepare him. Well, my concern, if I'm a Ravens fan or if I'm, I'm, I'm just looking at, looking at this team is where is this ultimately going to go with Lamar Jackson in the future? And I think, the Ravens have a great, great, great defense in terms of the talent they have there and everything else. But offensively, and this has been sort of the, the complaint and, and, and one of the things fans uh, that have been complaining about, which is why their attendance has been dropping, is their offense is awful to watch. And as fun as Lamar Jackson is, I, I have genuine questions of where they're going to go. Now, maybe in a year they add, you know, a, a nice running back and a nice receiver to go with them. And, and, you know, we're forgetting about all this. But at least for the 16 games they have this year, I have real questions about what who who is going to catch the ball for the Ravens and how they're going to actually move the chains. So I, I think Lamar Jackson – could end up being a great quarterback. Uh, do I think he's likely to end up the best in the class? Um, it's possible, but it, it's it's unfortunately probably going to be a lot like Michael Vick, where it's not because he's a polished passenger. I think it's, he's got it in him. I think what the, what they hope, I think what the Ravens are hoping to get out of him is more along the lines of Randall Cunningham, um, where he can be, you know, th- that just dangerous weapon that just dominated the league before you know his knees went. Uh, but I think, and I think this, the, the fact that they can 
take their time with him, hopefully will allow him to be a, a more polished passer because the thing with Lamar Jackson, he's really, really bright. Uh, he can process things very quickly. He sees what defenses are trying to do to him. It's just a question of can he make all the throws and can he make them consistently? Uh, he's certainly shown brilliance at times, uh, but he's just got to do it more consistently. And to this point, that has not happened yet. Yes, uh, the Ravens are definitely going to have to take their time with his development to ensure that he has the best possible chance to become a franchise quarterback in the National Football League. And yes, the Ravens are lacking in the wide receiver department and uh, any long-term uh, answers at the running back department, although Alex Collins showed some promise last year, um, I, although I'm not completely sold on him, uh, but that, there's a glimmer of hope there. But in typical Ozzie Newsome fashion, in his final draft class as Ravens GM, he picked two tight ends, and the best friend for a young quarterback, they say, is the tight end. And he started at 25 overall with Hayden Hurst out of South Carolina, and then he doubled down on that position in round three with Mark Andrews, Baker Mayfield's top target from Oklahoma. What are some similarities and differences between Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews, and do you foresee both of them getting heavy snaps this season? Uh, I have no idea why they took Hayden Hurst 25th overall. He's not very good, and I, I think that was an ill-advised pick. He's old. He hasn't really done that. He's a former baseball player. He's a pitcher and all that, but he's never shown to be that great of a player, I, and I, I'm, I'm lost on what he's really going to do for them in terms of being you know, an impact player because to this point, he has not. He didn't show that at South Carolina – it's hard for me to imagine that he's suddenly going to be a great tight end for for the Ravens. Uh, but he can do some things that you know some of these other tight ends in the you know coming in the NFL can't, which is he can be in line and block. Um, and I think the Ravens want to run the ball. Uh, certainly, they should, given what they have skill positions. But in terms of being a, a real threat to to do much in terms of catch passes, you know he might be a Dennis Pitta type guy, except Dennis Pitta was way more athletic coming out of college. But, you know, if if I'm looking at the guy who's likely to be a success in the NFL, it's Mark Andrews. And Mark Andrews is not a not a blocking tight end. In fact, he was more of a slot space type player. And that may be ultimately where they want to go with this, where Hayden's your inline guy and Mark Andrews is sort of a space player. Um, and this has echoes of a couple years ago when they had Pitta and, and the kid they took from uh, Oregon. Ed Dixon. Ed Dixon, yeah. Where they where he, he you know, he was that athletic uh, receiving type and and Pitta became the star and Dixon has sort of floated around the league. Unfortunately, Pitta had his hip injuries that have, have ended his career. But that seems to be the dynamic that they're trying to to recreate here. Uh, Andrews to me feels like he could real quickly become uh, the quarterback's best friend, regardless of which one. Uh, whether it's him or uh, Michael Crabtree, in terms of that guy who's who who understands how to get open. Uh, find find some holes in the defense, catch the ball, move the chains. I think that's really what Mark Andrews brings to the table is, is he may be the guy out of this draft class that has the brightest future, save Lamar Jackson, uh, out of anybody they picked. He's the guy who has, to me, genuinely uh, legit NFL talent. The In fact, he's the only guy other than Baker Mayfield out of that offense that looked to me like he could really help somebody at the next level. So, uh, Hayden Hurst, uh, you know, uh, hopefully he proves me wrong. Uh, he can come on the pod and 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 t- and tell me to eat it, which is fine. But I think he's ultimately going to be uh, relatively anonymous in his career, whereas I think Mark Andrews has a shot to be very good. 
Interesting analysis there, Pete. And now moving from the Ravens to the Cincinnati Bengals, who with their first pick in this draft, they upgraded their offensive line for the second time this offseason. They upgraded by trading uh, for Cordy Glenn, which made them fall down the draft board at 21 overall. And at 21 overall, they upgraded the interior of their offensive line with Ohio State center guard Billy Price, who can play any three positions on the interior of the offensive line. And uh, talking about Billy Price uh, with some on Twitter before the draft was uh, fascinating because some people say that they would rather see him at guard in the National Football League, but other people believe that he would be even better at center. Do you think he's better at center or guard? I think he has a brighter future at guard, but he's going to play center for the Bengals uh, because they don't have one. I mean, they had Russell Bodine the last few years. He was dreadful. He was clearly the weakest link on their offensive line. They let him go uh, along with A.J. McCarron. They both went to Buffalo where they will both underwhelm, I'm sure. Uh, It's clear as day that that the Bengals were – I I would say a little disappointed that Frank Ragnow went the pick before them. Um, But Billy Price is a good football player. Uh, and and I think he will be an, a, a massive upgrade to what they had. He will certainly solidify that position. I don't know if he's going to be the stud that, that's going to warrant 21st pick, but this is sort of the game they played where they went into the draft and they didn't have a center. Um, I think they could have waited and maybe got gotten other guys later. I was surprised they didn't take James Daniels, although there was uh, some questions about medical uh, so he fell a little bit, but you know certainly the Bengals have tools in place where the the, the offensive line they had last year was dreadful, um, and 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 certainly Cordy Glenn is going to help them there. Uh, left tackle, as long as he can stay healthy, Billy Price is going to give them a, an upgrade as long as he's healthy at center, and they've got pretty good guards. So now they've only got one real question uh, on the offensive line at this point: the other tackle. Um, which is a huge difference from last year. They were, I mean, that that literally killed their season last year. Um, but is Billy Price likely to be a great player? I don't know. I, I I'm I, I think he will be a good, solid player for for a number of years uh, for them. And it wouldn't surprise me if they, if they let him walk in five years, as the Bengals are inclined to do oftentimes. Uh, but at least for the time being, it it should hopefully. If nothing else, give them a boost to the running game. Uh, they they obviously had Joe Mixon in the fold, and and if that can sort of help him get to the talent that they thought they were getting last year and keep uh, Andy Dalton upright, that will make them immensely improve from last year. It most certainly will. And with the Bengals' second-round pick, this pick was very interesting given the amount of talent on their roster at this position uh, headed into the draft. They selected uh, safety from Wake Forest in Jesse Bates, but they have two safeties on their roster under contract through 2020 in George Iloka and Sean Williams. And given that fact, what do you think the role of Jesse Bates is in this Bengals' defense for the foreseeable future? Uh, he's going to be the free safety, and you know he's fine. He'll, he'll be. I'm sure he'll be fine. Uh, he has some. He had some good production for for Wake Forest this past year. Uh, he's a pretty good athlete. I'm not surprised that because of George Iloka and Sean Williams, I think those are both strong safety types. What surprised me is last year when they released Duran Smith who was a free safety, let him walk. And it feels like they're almost filling the hole they created for themselves with Jesse Bates. Having said that, he may well be a better player 
than than uh, than they had from uh, Smith last year. But I think Bates is basically going to start right away. Um, certainly an active player who fits that style the Bengals like in that he's a free safety who will tackle. And given their sort of uh, less than super athletic linebacking core, that's going to be important for them. But he does give them a legitimate free safety presence uh, that they needed now. Again, they, they had a hole they had to fill. And with him and Iloka, I think they've got a, you know, a pretty good spot um, on a team that has re- had really good safety play the last you know, several years. Thank you very much for clarifying that scenario there, Pete. And moving on to the reigning division champion, Pittsburgh Steelers. And at the end of round one, we saw reaches. As you alluded to, Hayden Hurst was definitely a reach at 25. Then the Seahawks uh, reached for Rashad Penny at 27. I like Rashad Penny for the record, but that's way too early for him. But the Steelers at 28 arguably said, hold my beer. And they took a huge risk by taking Terrell Edmonds with the 28th overall pick. Terrell Edmonds, the brother of Tremaine Edmonds, who was selected by the Bills at the 16th overall spot. And Terrell Edmonds, yes, he is an athletic freak, just like uh, his brother and his father. But from a tape perspective, most had him as like a round three grade at the earliest, if not round four. And the fact that they took him over guys like Jesse Bates, Justin Reed and Ronnie Harrison, it was arguably the most head-scratching pick of the first round. Can you see any positives in the Terrell Edmonds pick aside from his uh, athletic measurables? Yeah, I think Terrell Edmonds, is. you mentioned he's he's very athletic, certainly has the genes. He's actually pretty productive for Virginia Tech. The question for with Terrell Edmonds is where do they want to put him? Because he was a rover at Virginia Tech before he moved to safety this past year. And you almost wonder if he's actually going to end up being more of a linebacker type rather than a true safety. But because of the way the NFL is going, he may end up being some sort of hybrid position. But no question, it was it was surprising. He certainly has the tools to be a successful player. But the guy you mentioned, Justin Reed, is the one that I was shocked they didn't take if they wanted the safety. And the Steelers basically admitted that when Rashawn Evans – went ahead of them that they were almost like caught flat-footed and and I don't think Rashawn Evans was much better of a pick but it just didn't seem like they had much of a backup plan but he can be successful it'll be interesting to see what they ultimately want to do with him but I'm wondering if ultimately he doesn't actually end up being a linebacker in that Ryan Shazier type role uh, and that he's a big guy he's got a big frame can probably add weight pretty easily but that'll be sort of what I'm interested in seeing is is what is his ultimate position going to be. That's what makes it sort of a big reach for me. I think Edmonds can be a successful player, but the number of questions you have with him in terms of where do you put him, what is he going to actually be, and that he's not a fully formed player by any stretch, those give you a, a lot of pause, but – he was he is super athletic he was really productive and those are you know those are things that suggest he can be a productive NFL player but he's got to be handled correctly and don't mess with him too much Oh, that's going to be very interesting to watch there, Pete. A lot of good points made there. And in the second round, uh, the Steelers took uh, one of my 
personal favorite players in this draft, James Washington, the wide receiver from Oklahoma State. And if the Steelers are good at anything in the draft, it's finding wide receiver talent from Antonio Brown, obviously, to Emmanuel Sanders, to Juju Smith-Schuster last year. The Steelers just know how to scout wide receivers. And do you see James Washington making a similar impact his rookie season that Juju Smith-Schuster did last year, especially given the fact that Martavis Bryant is now gone and Washington could see the field quite regularly as a result? I think Washington was a great pick. I think he can be really, really good for Pittsburgh. I think he will probably have – he will take on the workload that Martavis Bryant had, except – you know, James Washington was tabbed as a guy who's basically just a deep ball guy at Oklahoma State. But at the Senior Bowl in particular, he really showed that he could do a lot more in terms of running more traditional routes, getting, you know, short of the sticks types route, catch and run, you know, just those traditional plays. So honestly, as much as he is a deep ball guy, and he is, I think he can do a lot of the things that make will make him a more complete receiver than Martavis Bryant was capable of being, which was Martavis Bryant was uh, you know a screen guy and a go, go run and run and go get it type receiver. And James Washington has those capabilities. Uh, he's built like a tailback, which I think is a positive. Um, he can create space really easily, but I also think he's a frustrating receiver to deal with because of how well he can separate and do those underneath things. And it would not surprise me if he becomes really successful as a rookie year and, and, and becomes a, a favorite type target uh, for Ben Roethlisberger. But that'll be the, that'll be the question is, is even if James Washington is good, how much work will they'll be, be there for him with, with a guy like Antonio Brown, which is obviously, you know, one of the best in the league. And then Juju Smith Schuster is obviously coming off a big year. Uh, you know, how much, even if James Washington is really good, how much is there how much is there to get for him is going to be the question yeah he's going to be a fun player to watch in that offense this year but the Steelers added another dynamic playmaker to their offense on day three and that is Jalen Samuels from North Carolina State another guy we saw at the senior bowl Jalen Samuels is uh, uh, arguably a jack-of-all-trades master of none type talent but Wherever they lined him up at the Senior Bowl, whether it, it was in the slot or in the backfield, he was just making plays all day long. And how do you think the Steelers will utilize Jalen Samuels, and what position do you think they'll put him at? Um, my guess would be he'll be an H-back, but you know the thing that makes Jalen Samuels really interesting is that he's, he's somebody who can save you a roster spot because he can do things like be an H-back because he can do fullback type things and they list him as a fullback. So that may ultimately be what they want to do, but he can also take the carry. He can take a carrier for you. He's a guy who can be a legitimate tailback. So ultimately you do all those little things and help on special teams. Then, you know, he's somebody who can, you know, if they've got a guy that they they've tabbed just for one of those jobs, they don't necessarily, and they don't love them. They can, you know, keep somebody they do love and let Jalen Samuels be sort of that catch-all guy. And I think that's where he has a lot of value. Uh, I think largely he will be an H-back, but, you know, so much will depend on what this new offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh wants to do. Uh, But I think that's more of what he's going to be H-back type thing where it's, you know, he's technically the lead blocking back, but he can also be that little, little receiver out of the backfield that can make plays. And he just becomes that reliable guy that, that makes plays, becomes a fan favorite is never really a star, but he just does enough to, to, to make those 
plays in opportune times where he can, you know, make a big first down or he makes a big play or he, he finds his way into the end zone. Uh, and he, those little things add up, even if he's never a great player. It's just he's such a nice role player that saves you a roster spot and just makes your team a lot better. Yes, and uh, common player comp. And for the record, uh, I have learned to not be the biggest fan of player comps, but uh, for but just for the hell of it, uh, one of the most common player comps tossed out for Jalen Samuels was uh, Charles Clay, and Charles Clay. Uh, was essentially um, uh, in his uh, prime with the Dolphins. They lined him up a lot at fullback and H-back, but he constantly uh, made a lot of explosive plays for them. So uh, is that a realistic uh, comparison there, Pete? Um, yeah, I think, I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not a big player comp guy. Uh, the, he's not as big, uh, as, as Clay was, but in terms of utilization, I think he's going to be similar. The guy that, you know, a lot of people were super excited about, uh, you know, in this draft process was Kalen Balaj. I actually think Samuels is going to end up being the better player. And they're going to have the same type of role in the NFL where Balazs is going to be a guy who moves around a little bit and, and a lot of hype because he tested so well at the Combine. Uh, but to me, I think J- Jalen Samuels will actually be the better player. He is Pete Smith, ladies and gentlemen, NFL draft analyst and Browns analyst for NFLSpinzo.com. Pete, it is always a pleasure having you on this program. But before we let you go here, we'd like to play a little game called Overreaction, Not an Overreaction. And in this game, I will read a statement about a prospect that was drafted by an AFC North team that we haven't discussed yet, and you will determine whether it's an overreaction or not an overreaction. And let's start with this. Nick Chubb will assume the lead running back duties for the Browns at some point this season. Uh, that's, I mean, that's an underreaction. I think he's definitely, I, I think it's a guarantee. That's a lock. I, I think uh, Carlos Hyde is okay. He's an okay back. Uh, but Nick Chubb has franchise talent. Uh, and Duke Johnson does Duke Johnson things. I think the, the where this ends up, ideally, at least if I'm looking at this, is Nick Chubb is the dude. Duke Johnson is sort of that, you know, the second guy who does his little thing. And that's your tandem. That's that's where the, they want this to go. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Can't wait to watch Nick Chubb uh, in preseason play. And moving on to our second part of our game. The selection of Antonio Callaway will yield similar results as a similar John Dorsey Gamble a few years ago in Tyree Kill did. I'll say overreaction to that. I'm very skeptical. Uh, he obviously failed the idiot test at the combine. That's never a good sign. Uh, and, and and I think his talent is a little overstated. I think he's a. I think he ha- don't get me wrong. I think he has talent. I think the the statement that John Dorsey made that he was maybe the second best receiver in the class. I think that's insane. Uh, but we'll see what he ends up being. Right now, his first thing needs to be not get kicked out of the league most definitely and orlando brown will win the starting right tackle job for the ravens in training camp i will say that's an overreaction i don't think i don't think orlando uh, this orlando brown can play dead i i just i have an impo- I, I have an incredibly difficult time seeing an athlete that poor make it in the nfl there are just too many damn good players in this and and you take the browns for example the bengals you have Miles Garrett, Emmanuel Ogba. You have Carlos Dunlap. You have, uh, you know, all these pass rushers. The Bengals just added. The Steelers have a bunch of athletic guys like T.J. Watt, uh, Cam, you know, Cam Hayward. 
I don't see how Orlando Brown's going to survive in this league. I think Michael Hurst or somebody else will beat him out for that job. And I, I, I won't be surprised if Orlando Brown's out of the league in a year. Ooh, very interesting prediction there, Pete. I'll uh, definitely save that for my future files. Uh, the Bengals will release Vontez Burfecht after this season, and Malik Jefferson will take his place in 2019. I'll say underreaction. I don't know if they'll release him, but I, I am I'm very high on Malik Jefferson. I'll say that. He's really, really talented. And I think I think at some point he went from being, you know, overrated for, for being that the, the the dude in Texas to being underrated, where people sort of he he was so hyped at one point that people sort of got off of him and then forgot he was any good at all. Uh, and I think the Bengals may have legitimately gotten themselves a steal out of that. Um, certainly, I you know if, if I'm a Bengals fan, I'd love to see them find a way somehow to get them to play on the field together. But yeah, I think I think the Bengals have have more or less had it with Perfect. I don't think they want to pay him, and Malik Jefferson certainly has the skill set to play that will for them. And last but not least, Marcus Allen, the Steelers' day three pick at safety out of Penn State. We also saw him at the Senior Bowl. Will have a better rookie season than Terrell Edmonds. Oof, that's tough. I'll say uh, I'll say it's an underreaction. I, I think uh, I think he has a good shot to make an impact earlier than Terrell Edmonds. And it's it's again it's like we talked about uh, you and uh, this this may be my own ignorance. I don't know what the plan is with Edmonds yet, so I don't know how he's going to sort of take to it and how how quickly he's going to be able to make an impact. Whereas I think I sort of know exactly what Marcus, Marcus Allen is, and he may be able to to help them now, whereas Terrell Edmonds may be more of a down-the-road type type player. Pete Smith, ladies and gentlemen, NFLSpinZone.com. Follow him on Twitter at underscore Pete Smith underscore. It's always a pleasure talking football with you, Pete, and I hope to do so again very soon. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome, Pete. And that's it for today here on Sports Crush with D. Crom. We'll be back next week with more of our 2018 Dash to the Draft recap series, so stay tuned. Be sure to check out the episode archive as well as an up-to-date blog of mine at sportscrunch.com. And remember, that is Crunch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Pete Smith, especially since there's never and off-season for Talking Football. For Pete Smith, our producer Chris Broadhead, this is David Cromlow saying so long, and as always, stay awesome. Stay awesome.